Welcome to Movie Geek and Proud. This is Movie Club. Rule number one, always talk about Movie Club. Rule number two, tell your friends about Movie Club. Rule number three, have fun and don't be a hater. Rule number four, there will be spoilers. You've been warned. That lovely conversation you have after you and your movie buddies watch a film together, let's start that conversation. Hello, MGs. Movie Club is now in session. It's the month of February, and we have a jam-packed show for you today. I'm here with our regular guest host, Susie. Susie, welcome back to Movie Geek and Proud. Thank you for having me, Rob. Of course, of course. So we're just going to get started because we have a big conversation ahead of us. Our feature film, Promising Young Woman. My assistant tells me that you're interested in resuming med school. I left under unusual circumstances. You remember the accusations made against Alexander Monroe? I don't. He took a girl back to his room. You know, we get accusations like this all the time. So it's a he said, she said situation. What would you have me do? Ruin a young man's life? (laughs) Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who she spoke to? You. Here. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Really? <laughs> Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? <laughs> what do you want? I don't know. You seem nervous. No oh. use hiding from the piper. Oh. She has to be paid. Why do you guys have to ruin everything? It's a day of reckoning. For everyone. All right, so because this movie has not been out for so long, we want to give the people who have not seen this film a chance to listen to our discussion and our thoughts on it and a non-spoiler review for the first part of it and then we'll get into spoilers i will let you know when we transition but we're going to give a quick generalization of what we thought of this movie with our rating and then take it with you will if you want to continue listening to find out why we rated it the way we did and by you know um just keep listening otherwise stop the recording and then come back all right so i will go first actually i gave this film a solid four out of five And I docked it for points for recommendation and rewatchability. Now, as far as rewatch, it lost half a score because I don't need to own this movie in my collection. That is a big part of entertainment scale for me, is that I want, should I own it? I can definitely rewatch this movie, and there are definitely reasons to rewatch it. But to own it, I don't need to do that. And then it also lost for recommendation because of the fact that there are going to be people who 
who are not going to like this movie. It's not for a niche audience, but this movie will piss people off. It really will, and they will come out of it not happy with what happened and how it was executed, and I'll just leave it at that. I do have one thing that I do want to say, though. The acting in all parts, everyone in this movie did a phenomenal job. The acting was great, and I also thought the writing for this movie was fantastic because I saw things in this sort of rape-revenge storyline that I have not seen executed in a film in a long time. Uh, this film, to me, is about forgiveness of others and also yourself. I also feel that this film is about how an action stand tall and mighty over words. Actions are just way, you know, stand out more than words do. And it's about the possibility of narrative that most people who commit such heinous crimes, whichever degree it is committed, will never really understand what they did and how it affects others until it happens to them. And the empathy is only realized when they discover they are not invisible. This is also a film that I think asks the question, what does one need in order to change their outlook on people and on life? As well as, is there any form of redemption to an individual after such a heinous crime? So I will leave it at that. And... Um, if you like it, you know, uh, the trailer, what you saw, I suggest giving it a shot because this movie will definitely give you something to talk about. Susie, what are your initial thoughts on this film? All right. Well, I was very excited to be invited to be a guest to review this movie. I've wanted to see it since I saw the trailer. And so I uh, rented it. I actually have watched it twice in the last seven days. And if I was rating this solely on my own personal experience, it's a five out of five for me. Nice. Uh, if I take into account, which I really appreciate that you do this, if I take into account the two things you said, rewatch and recommendation wise. So for me, if I was giving this the rating, taking myself out of the mix, I'd say 4.5 because okay. I will buy this and rewatch it. Uh, I will say that it is uh, harder on the rewatch because once you sort of have gone through it, it's there are scenes that are difficult to rewatch, uh, particularly at the end, which we'll, I know we'll get into. Uh, from the recommendation piece, though, that is where I would knock it down. And I think that that's because I, I, I have actually this week found myself not mentioning it to certain people. If, in fact, specifically coworkers because of the content and feeling a little uncomfortable with potentially recommending something that, that might be upsetting or to others or something to your point that will make them mad or, you know, there's, there's layers to this film. And so I think it's really, this is one of those movies to me, that's a personal journey for the person. Like they'll find it, they'll like it or they yeah. won't. Uh, but there's a ton of lenses to, to look through. So, you know, it's a five for me, but a 4.5 is the official. Uh, and I'm just really excited to jump in and peel back the layers <laughs> of this. Thing. No, of course. No, I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. So again, hopefully these, um, you know, hot takes, this, this quick sort of review on the film helped out. Again, if you haven't seen it at this point, we will be talking the movie in more depth conversation with spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film yet, 
stop this, return back once you've seen it. All right, Susie, let's do this. <laughs> All right, so one thing that I'll get out of the way just um, to start on a lighter note is, do you remember the film She-Devil with Roseanne Barr and Meryl Streep? Not only do I remember it, but it has been a quarantine rewatch when it was streaming earlier on in this uh, situation we've been in for almost a year. <laughs> so not less than two months ago, I actually showed this to a friend of mine because of the fact that of this movie and sort of like its content and its revenge sort of strategy. And it was like, this is so she double. And then I showed my friend, I was like, you've got to watch this. And yeah, and then we saw this movie and then we were just like, whoa, did we just watch She-Devil again in 2020? But it reminded me so much of that. Do not sleep on She-Devil. I'm telling you, this, this it's actually a funny movie. I really like Roseanne Barr. But where do we begin on this? Like, where do you want to start? I don't even know where to begin on this. Here, I, I have literally been thinking about this and I almost thought, I was like, we should just start it the way the movie starts with, I was busy thinking about boys. I mean, this movie starts and you literally think that you're about to watch a happy, modern, millennial story of some kind. And then it just pans out to a club where you're just seeing a bunch of dudes grinding it out on the dance floor to I've been busy thinking about boys. I mean, this is literally how this thing opens. And you really... From the very get-go, I feel like the story, it's there's first there's the layer of the script, of the story, the written piece here. But then it's really brought to life through the music used, through the color and pop, through these scenes of the dancing slow motion. Like there are so many things. This, that's why the rewatch was really great. Uh, the other thing is you mentioned, before we get into the, the deep, deep, you had mentioned the she-devil point. I do think one thing it's important to call out uh, is that this is written by uh, a Killing Eve writer. And if any of your listeners oh. are, Killing Eve, yeah, are, any, are Killing Eve fans, I think that you will find that the main character has uh, shades of villanelle. Uh, it's very interesting, and it's the costume wearing, the, the disguises is all very Killing eve I love it. Killing Eve to me is telling a story you've probably seen in different ways led by men, instead led by women. Oh, female serial killer, uh, assassin, a, a female detective piece. And so, sorry, I don't want to get on a tangent yeah. about Killing Eve, but but I think that's a really interesting call out when you think about this film. No, great find on that. I did not know that. And I watched the first season of Killing Eve. I have not watched the second, but it is a show that I definitely admire. It is something completely different that I don't expect to see on TV. So good call on that. Um, yeah, Killing Eve is great. Let me just say this, Rob. Going into this film from the trailer, I was concerned about what this film was going to do. I was mm -hmm. concerned that it would oversimplify the complexities of how men and women have, have behaved in these situations like going out drinking right this is these are this is a long history here of college of bars of you know and i was wondering are they gonna is it gonna be an oversimplification or or is it going to make these guys you know all guys are these really bad dudes taking her home and i immediately saw 
from this first scene, it was going to be a nuanced take because you've got Sam Richardson, uh, known from Veep. Uh, he and the, uh, is it Adrian Brody? I always, no, what's, I always. Adam Brody. Up. Adam Brody. I always mess up. And I always. Adrian Brody. Yeah. And I always, I confuse the name with Adrian, but I confuse him with uh, Dan from Gossip Girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So. Adam Brody, and then there's a third gentleman, and they're talking about actually, they're clearly talking about a female coworker. They're talking about how they go on deals at the golf course. And Adam Brody's this, he's the woke guy, right? He's the he's the guy who's trying to stop the locker room talk because there's layers here. There's the guy who talks big, but he doesn't go over and try to do something bad to her. It ends up being Mr sensitive and woke that goes over and turns out to be the real villain who it's that trust piece to it that he manipulates. So that very first scene, I'm thinking I am going to be here for this because they're clearly taking a very unique approach to tackling these issues. So yeah, the director made a point to cast nice looking people and not in an attractive way, but I'm talking about you look at Adam Brody and you think he's a sweetheart, right? He's this nice guy. He doesn't seem threatening. He just comes off as a very sweet and sensitive person. And when you look at the rest of the men who are cast in this film, you will see that they all sort of fit that same profile is that they're not overly masculine and they seem like somebody that you can rely on. And you're, you know, they, they can be friends with a woman and not take, make it sexual, things like that. And so they made a point to cast these quote unquote nice guys. And so I love the casting in this film, by the way. And Adam Brody definitely fits that. So he, he did a great job in this. I would almost say, Rob, too, the structure of the film is sort of interesting as well, because you basically go through a couple vignettes of her doing this before it takes a different path. And so it's, I, I was, you know, you watch the Adam Brody one, the Christopher Mintz Plotz, Plotz one is particularly yeah. interesting. I mean, when he got on screen and he's, do, you know, he's talking the way he's talking, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I know you. I know you, <laughs> bud. I've been with guys like this. I know exactly what this, this, is, this guy's up to. And it's interesting because you, I also paid very close attention to how Cassie would reciprocate physically to them as well as verbally. So she will, she would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I, I sometimes wouldn't even hear her necessarily say no or stop, but also when he would, when he kissed her, what Adam Brody in that first scene, when he kisses her, if you're just watching their faces, she never moves her mouth. Right. And th these are the sorts of things that the Me Too movements talked about, which is that, you know, if someone is highly intoxicated and they're not reciprocating, that alone is your no. Yeah. You see these men ignoring these signs, disturbing, but it it is a fairly accurate depiction of situations that I have found myself in as a woman throughout my life, particularly in my younger college years and early 20s. So with the Christopher Mintz plots piece, there was some, I have to tell you, the scene where she's passed out purposely, right? She's pretending to have passed out. He kind of yells and claps loud to try to wake her up. And then as he starts to 
touch her. She's just staring at him stone cold sober and he's not even realizing the audacity of these men who don't even care if they're like, it's, it's, they think that they're providing pleasure and all these things and they're not even looking at the person to, to understand if this person is reciprocating, is enjoying it. That to me was where it got very nuanced, right? It wasn't just about, she said no. And then they persisted. These were, these are those encounters that women face a lot where it's just, you're uncomfortable and it keeps pushing and you've had drinks. It was very well executed in this film. I, I was like, get him, Cassie. Get him, get him, girl. <laughs> so from the trailer, and I have to ask this, uh, do you feel that you were misled in any way? And I guess I should sort of rephrase this like, did you get a sense that you were about to watch a movie that when she did reveal herself as not sober, was she now using this opportunity, I've got you, now I'm going to take you out? Did you feel that this was going to be that type of like maybe horror-esque movie rather than a thriller? Because I immediately thought it was going to be one of those movies where anytime a man made a mistake, that means you don't need to be here anymore. I've got to take you out so you don't do this to any other woman who's not strong enough to take you down like I do. I mean, she can't necessarily teach people a lesson without getting her hands dirty. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is one of those fun movies where she's just killing them left and right. And then we find out that's not the case. This is not that type of movie. She is just making them see in eyes view what it looks like and what they're doing. And really smashing their face in the shit and just looking like, see what you did. And you are now going to have to face what you are doing head on. And she's not, she's not doing anything illegal. She's not killing them. She's not hurting them. She's just pointing out, you know, like overstepping that they're doing. So Rob, I think you're calling out something really interesting. And it, it reminded me of something that I actually made a note of, which is that there's a lot of subverting of expectations in this movie. And there's a bunch of playful movement of genre. And that's why this movie, it, you know, when I talk about getting that five from me and having layers, that's why, because when I talked about too, like the, there's a soundtrack. So it, it literally within the first five minutes, it's moved from, I was busy thinking about boys to a club song to a, the original uh, arrangement that sounds like a horror movie. So all these scenes, it was like she's a predator. She's like the the horror movie villain tricking them. And I agree with you. It's, it's like, is she going to kidnap them and torture them? Is it going to be? We've seen that a bunch. Uh, Ellen Page was in the movie where she traps uh, pedophiles to do that, right? And they're they're uh, and I apologize. I know that it's not Ellen Page any longer, uh, but but at the time it was. Yeah. Uh, but I I know that that's been something that I've seen before, but that's why I thought it subverted your expectations because it's not a horror movie. But there's also a little piece here that I think, Rob, there's ambiguity around whether she was violent with some of them because she leaves the Adam, Bro the Adam Brody scene cuts and then you see her walking with the jelly donut. Yeah. And think that it was indicating that you know obviously she stumbles upon his co-worker later and he's not dead but yeah. i 
do wonder, I, I do think that there were subtle references to her being willing to be more violent in certain situations that warranted it. And they'd never call her out on it because they would be, she's caught them <laughs> in a trap basically. Right. So. <laughs> and that was one thing that I was um, trying to figure out because then you, what comes in is the notebook and how her notches are in different colors, but it also showcases how many times she's done this, but we don't get any, definite explanation as to what these notches mean and what the color coding means. And so did she get violent? Did she have to, you know, go back later and get somebody to beat them up later? You know, we don't know exactly what level, maybe some of the colors means they actually did the right thing. You know, this movie doesn't necessarily give you a definite answer as to are all men full of shit or did some actually do the right thing, you know? So yes, there was a little bit of mystery is like, how far did she go? And did she ever have to get violent? I want to say that she can take care of herself in this movie. I mean, I don't think she like went out and learned, you know, judo or whatever, or karate. And as far as defending her. So I think her will to get justice is enough for her to take care of herself if needed. But there wasn't really any signs that she can take down any dude if it came to that, you know? And I don't think I be, I don't think that she cared, and obviously that's what how it culminates. What's interesting for me, Rob, and here's the struggle, and I would say this to your listeners to bear with us because this is a scary territory to be treading in because it's your it's very complex social problems we face, and so I I want to be careful here because. There was part of this where I thought there's more than one message here. And you you've even you've even positioned us well to have this conversation with your intro about is there redemption? Is there a a point where you can forgive? The last note I have here is consumed by rage, in quotes, burned up. In that her in, like it, it like her rage around this, her inability, you know, she meets with Nina's mother. Nina's mother is saying, let this go. You have yeah. got to let this go. And she mm-hmm. does it. She, she follows through on this natural, not natural, but this path she's chosen. And the natural conclusion is that it ends in tragedy in her literally being consumed with the, you know, she's, she knew going there that she was possibly not coming back. And I almost, you know, she's had a death wish this entire time in many respects. She wants to be with Nina. And, and I, I think she was willing to be to engage in very risky behavior because she just couldn't cope with that she couldn't process it and so to her it was like i can either you know if the situation ends badly i'll get to go be with nina which obviously you see that in the text message at the very end is love nina and cassie like this belief that they're together right <laughs> it's it's or you know it's it's sort of that perfect end note but that's that's how i I was struggling with that because I, I don't want it to be just about her though, because these, there were people here that deserved retribution. I mean, there are questions around where is the line? Like who's the, who's guilty here by association association. And does it just, does the ends justify the means? And, and those sorts of questions get raised. No, you make, you make a good point. As we don't see violence throughout most of this film, 
it, it doesn't necessarily happen until the very final act. I actually like that because I did expect her to be taking out all of these men one by one and just having this like horrific, fun, villainous, like, like you said, go get them, Cassie, you know, sort of vibe. But I'm okay that I didn't get that. I mean, this movie was a little somber and a little bit more on the drama side than a horror or even a horror comedy that um, I got a different movie. And I, I was very happy with the way that they executed it. And, and you know, I, I wasn't mad at the fact that she did resort to violence towards the end. I mean, it, it kind of made sense, I guess, where her head was at. But um, again, we'll, we'll get to that later. I, I do want to talk about just her process of playing the judge and jury of it all had heavy trust issues she didn't really want to let anyone in and you know just her sort of outlook on quitting school and and also just the way that she just didn't want to move forward in a lot of ways and also just the guilt that was put on herself because she felt that part of it was her fault because she didn't stay with her friend Nina at this party and it actually took me a second to really realize that all of this didn't happen to her because for somebody to take such lengths to, to just call out all these men, I thought this was something from her own experience and it happened to her friend. That power of friendship also should be acknowledged that, you know, she really loved her friend a lot and, and this has hit her so hard that she's taken on this burden because Nina is no longer here. So... What did you think about Cassie just playing judge and jury? Like, did everybody that she sort of taught a lesson to deserve the level of magnitude that they got? I would say that in the situations where it was the random guys at bars, she gives them every opportunity not to make those decisions. That's the beauty so of it. Many. Oh my God, they had so many chances to just back off. She gives, right, exactly. And so in that instance, I don't view her as much, right? So so let's, let's there's, there's the people that she goes and finds at these bars, and those are the, the ones, and obviously she's doing the Roman numeral piece where she's doing it in, in groups of five. The, that has meaning to her. The way that I viewed it was that she still had a long-term plan to to cross out, she she had identified the people that she felt were responsible for what happened to Nina. Uh, Nina didn't get justice. Nina killed herself, and that I think for Cassie that that sort of had propelled her to go for the, seek revenge. But as we kind of find out, her the perpetrator he had gone to London. So I think she was she had maybe given up on getting that justice or maybe she was just waiting for it. But I thought it was interesting. She did things in these clusters of five because it was the five people that she wanted to go after. And obviously then the movie actually starts to pace itself that way, which I think is really interesting. Judge and jury of the folks that she picks or the, the guys she picks up at bars, I just sort of feel that they, they have choices along the way, so they sort of get what's coming to them in that way. The judge and jury of the of the of the five she's identified, I struggled with that as well, Rob. But honestly, I felt like the way they executed the revenge, it didn't feel. You know, it'd be one thing if she actually did something to Connie Britton's daughter, 
But that to me felt like an appropriate level of response to what she felt like had happened. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's tricky, but I think that the way that it's executed, I sort of didn't feel any angst about who got what was coming to them. And she pulled back on the lawyer. So, <laughs> so, so I guess, so one by one with, okay, so let's take Alison Bree's character, right? Who, that's my the God. That's the most controversial one. I yeah. think for most people to try to swallow. Yeah. So, I mean, first, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think this is a plot hole, but let's, I mean, but I just want to like briefly mention her, her amount of resources and the amount of people that she is able to trust, even though she has trust issues, she is trusting all of these outsiders, these these third party vendors to come in and do her bidding exactly the way that she wants and hopes that they actually execute it correctly without going overboard. And I just, I don't know, I find it funny that she was able to trust these men, even though she was paying them, or maybe she was equally using men who were maybe just as disgusting and using that in her favor by getting men who don't, who doesn't mind beating somebody up for money or pretending to possibly, or give the illusion of raping someone in bed, as long as I get paid, you know, like Alison Bree's character, she is given the task of revenge number one, because of the fact that she had an opportunity to back her sisters up and she chose not to because it didn't happen to her. Cassie puts her in a similar situation and now she's left to believe, well, did the same thing happen to her? And because she doesn't have hard evidence, should people believe her? So it's a it, it's giving her an opportunity for hypocrisy. Are you going to slap the same rules that you put on Nina onto yourself and you see how mentally she started to break down? You know, so it's like, is Cassie fighting fire with fire? You know, is she, are, are we going to root for somebody who, I, I don't know, is using somewhat of the same tactics to get justice? Or should she just turn these people in and just have at it? Or, you know. But it's not, so I would, so that's, so that's the that's the thing, though, is so first, first, I just want to make a call out. I do at times struggle with perfectly executed plots like this. <laughs> and, and Killing Eve is actually a, one of these that's like that as well, which is that if five things didn't happen the exact way they had happened, there's no way that it would have been pitch perfect. And obviously, you have to suspend some level of reality, particularly at the end, to believe that all those things happen in a perfect sequential order. But it's a movie. So I'm willing to suspend reality for that exact reason. Now, when it comes to this, I, I actually would say, Rob, that she didn't use, there, there are no tactics. Nina was raped and there was a video and this woman saw it. <laughs> and so she... Clearly, I, I know people like this. I and I had told you that I would be comfortable sharing this on your podcast, but I, I myself had was sexually assaulted, um, and it was by someone I know, and it was within a group of friends. And you know that guy's got a big deal job now. And there's you know that really watching this sort of invoked those feelings of, yeah, I remember the people that said that I was just making stuff up. I was drinking a lot. That like uh, and you know, and I basically got dumped by the friend group. Um, and they all still are like, you know, it was like a group of, you know, college people and very similar to this friend group. I mean, literally the Bo Burnham character triggered me so much because it's the good guy 
who's friends with bad people and he still def like it, that all of those feelings and so i think i was not sympathetic because i knew that well i didn't know when you're watching it i will say that when i watched it without knowing that this man doesn't obviously do anything to madison then you're like okay she gave her a taste of her own medicine but she never actually would have had her sexually assaulted so i think once you've watched the full film and can look back at it that to me is not as like tit for tat should i judge cassie it was like yeah madison this is what it's like to 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 feel unsupported and in that moment well um, well i want to thank you for trusting me and you know listeners with revealing that that side of your uh, experience so again i want to thank you for that and with connie Britton's character it's like should she lose her job as dean i i I think her level of justice and just making them see exactly where it lies when it comes to a personal, you know, event for themselves is when people really start to realize what it is that their actions do for other people. And I think the Connie Britton thing was my favorite sort of revenge plot because, well, I mean, it was very entertaining watching her get her daughter Cassie in the car. I just, I can't believe that plan worked. I would have never in my life got in that car, but I just find it hilarious that it worked. I didn't believe for one second that she was waiting for, you know, a group of men to just come and they, I don't know, something would have happened to her. I never thought that one bit, but it was just her confidence level and the way that she walked into this office and could have easily gotten arrested for just the mere thought of like low key kidnapping this girl and putting her somewhere where she isn't supposed to be. But like, do you see how quick Britain turned the tables and was like, oh, boys will be boys. But when it comes to my daughter, oh, hell no. You know, I don't trust that. So I just thought that scene was really executed well. It was a phenomenal scene. I love yeah. to the the big parts of the sh the movie that I really enjoyed uh, were the 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 wardrobe, the the way that she's dressed. Oh, also her nail polish is I just live for the multicolored nail polish that Cassie rocks. But I, I would say that because going into it, there, I love that, and I love the way in which Connie Britton and Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, thank you. The mm -hmm. way in which they speak, it lulls you in even more. There's this measured softness to the voice. There's dead silence in the room when they're talking. Connie Britton talks like this. And somehow that added to the intensity of the scene. The back and forth. One of the things this movie does incredibly, incredibly well, the writing very Killing Eve again, is this quick banter, these wonderfully crafted back and forth. I mean, Cassie and Bo Burnham have some of the best dialogue. You know, we just did a quarantine quickie about all my life and we talked about it being very surfacey. This feels like real life jokes I would make. Like I could totally oh my see God. Like he calls her a stupid asshole at some point. I, know. Like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> she was in bed. She was like, come on, stupid bitch. Don't do that. I was like, oh my God goals 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 for days oh my god they were adorable together man that chemistry worked side note for your viewers or listeners side note bo burnham is one of the most talented comedians out there and if you have not uh seen uh uh oh gosh uh stone i want to be famous his show on mtv one series only one season 
uh, check out Bo Burnham's and, and check out eighth grade <laughs> because yes. he wrote and, and, and that's a phenomenal film. And he is just, he is so good in this. It, it only made it and it's purposeful. It only made it so much more crushing. It took me a while to even realize that was Bo Burnham. I saw him at a Q and a of eighth grade. I went to a, a film, you know, showing of it and he was there. Yeah, and I was so far back, I couldn't tell that he was this tall giant of of hotness. Had no clue because I was so far. And then, you know, my friend who I went with told me, oh, yeah, that's Bo Burnham. I was like, what? Wow. He is really good. He's really good. And you want to talk about this sort of um, outline of what a nice guy is. Bo Burnham nailed this shit. He was the persona of a man that is in game. You know, this is a guy who was making all the moves. He was very persistent. You know, anybody could have taken rejection and just walked away and this man kept trying. He was a sweetheart. He showed vulnerability. Even when he caught her, you know, in mid, in like in mid plan of escorting another guy home and, you know, she was kind of playing it off and being very guarded. And he still opened himself up by giving her second chances, things like that. And it was just like, this is the type of guy that is going to break her out of her cycle and hopefully show her that there are good people out in the world. Because this is what also sucks about, I guess, this particular movie versus other movies that have sort of the same revenge plot, right? People, I think had a really hard time with why she couldn't let things go. Why did she go so long with all of this burden and guilt on her and all this rage and madness? Did you notice, Susie, that most of her interactions were with men were so, like, blatantly, like, this is how it used to be. We were able to call, catcall women, and they just sort of got embarrassed and took it and ran off. They were never confronted with the sh just the sheer crappiness of their behavior. And the moment you call them out, guess which one of the two is crazy as fuck? It's the woman. The woman is the one that needs to chill out, who needs to relax, who needs to take a joke. Two things. The catcalling, right? This was such a great example. I love this. It's Three construction workers are like, going all out. They're calling at this woman. They're cheering her on, just basically objectifying her. She decides to stand there, stare them dead eyes in the face and take in everything they're saying. And guess what? It wasn't fun anymore. It's only enjoyable when the women has an issue with what they're doing. But when you actually are like, you have to literally look at what you're doing. She allowed them to be like, think about what you're doing. You are literally calling me out. I'm not liking it. <laughs> what do you do? And they got so embarrassed and shy. And all of a sudden it was just like, we're assholes, right? Then you've got the guy who was honking his horn so much because she wouldn't drive. You know, she was at a stop sign or a stoplight. 
And there was a guy who was constantly just honking his horn. And I can't stand those type of people in general. (laughs) I think they all should like burn in hell for the, how much road rage they have. But anyway, so she's calling him out. Then he goes over, pulls up beside her and starts yelling out every offensive name you can say to a woman and literally only a woman and just yelling and crazy. And then she gets out, doesn't say a word. She grabs a crowbar and starts bashing his car. Oh my God, calm down. Why are you being crazy? You're such a nut. I'm like, (laughs) dude, you chose to park next to a woman and just start yelling at her from your driver's seat. And she's the crazy one. It's just funny how this, this behavior that comes from men are just so natural and normal. And the fact that we've gone so long without calling them out, they don't see how fucking bonkers it is to do what they do. And this woman decides to bash in and vandalize a car and she's the fucked up one. It's just so hilarious. But I just love it. Another great example of that, Rob, is Sam Richardson, who's uh, the fedora wearing co-worker who she gets later on that, you know, that becomes a debacle for her. But that is absolutely hilarious because just remember, he kind of calls her a crazy bitch and then he runs away yelling why do you ruin everything? You guys ruin everything. And he's like half crying in his fedora and he lives with his parents. And it's just like, it's just, it's just unbelievable. The, the, I went back and forth on the Bo Burnham piece. So, so what's interesting is, you know, we talked about subverting expectations. We talked about some of the gender or not gender, sorry, genre bending, Uh, Like the genre bending I saw was obviously it sets it up like you're walking through, you're working through a horror movie. And then it kind of flips from that to really a story about a woman that it's a drama where she's got problems in the family home and problems with her career. And that's sort of like a drama then. And then it becomes a rom-com for the, for just a random 20 minutes in the middle of the movie where Paris Hilton's playing and they're in a drugstore popping up, you know, popcorn bags open and throwing them around. And then it flips hard back to this, back to this sort of climactic horror movie, almost ending cabin out in the woods with, you know, no one knows she's out there. She leaves the car and walks up the gravel road. And it's just interesting that you sort of, end where you begin which is her sort of back at this revenge piece and I just feel like there was no other way for the movie to end I now I was sort of waiting and I'd like to ask this from you I was sort of waiting for the Bo Burnham reveal and I was worried because I thought they're gonna do this in a way that's gonna be like okay, now he's a rapist, right? It's going to be something really extreme. Like he's, but they do it in a really good way where it's just, he was in the room and I can see where I actually did an exercise myself, Rob, where I tried to think back to college parties I was at. And if I could remember anything super significant of like the parties, if I saw those things, but then again, then I said to myself, well, no, because he's like watching this happen. So this would be a big thing that he should at least have some vague memory of, but he obviously tucked it away. And so I think that was an interesting way to make him sort of a proxy, 
or not proxy, but like proximity sort of part of it, but not a main culprit. And it is a question of, so what is the, the toll here? And I think that she is not crazy judge and jury in that, let me see if I can explain this well, but the Madison example, she's looking to see if there has been an evolution. She's not saying that because you made this mistake in college by not supporting Cassie and not telling the truth and, and doing that and, and slut shaming her and, and not being a friend. It's reasonable that now that she has twins and is an adult woman, obviously Cassie's sitting there in front of Madison trying to give her an opportunity to show that she has evolved from that person that she was, has regrets about how it was handled. And it felt like Cassie would, she says, that's a shame for you. I feel like that if she had demonstrated that she had evolved, then that would have been enough for her. And if that had happened, by the way, she never would have gotten the video and she never would have sort of gone on her rage journey further. That was my feeling. And I, and I feel like that's a reasonable response. And when Bo Burnham's pushed on this, it's clear that he doesn't really think he is the bad guy here. And I think that things would have been different in that conversation if he was like, that was the biggest regret of my life that I was there, but he wasn't right. And so, yeah. Okay. So um, first I'll touch on what you said earlier. So I'm, I'm watching this movie and I do enjoy, um, you know, the relationship progressing and things look like there's a little bit of a lighter note. And while she's in the middle of this relationship, which is changing her views very slowly, the cherry on top was her going to visit Nina's mother and her saying, you know, let this go. And so she has a man, she's been shown that there is good people in the world. And now she's also technically been forgiven by Nina's mother, because I know she still blames herself. She can now kind of move on with her life. And I love this. And so as I was watching that part, or it may have been a scene maybe one or two before that, but I looked at my friend and I go, is this going to be that movie? And when I said that, I was like, they're going to fuck this up. And is he a rapist? Two things was going to happen. And this is what I thought. Either the scenario that we got, which was he was there, and he was aware of what happened to her, or the moment that they reached sort of their sexual part of their relationship, he was going to show signs that he was also a very aggressive person. Because remember, it took them a long time for them to sleep together. And so I thought they were holding that as the reveal of, okay, the time when it comes to us like sleeping together, that's when he's going to show his sign of like, oh, I'm just as you know, aggressive and sort of in this like rapey thing, like all the other guys kind of are. And so I, I was worried about that. And then they showed that they had slept together and I was like, okay, but I still have this feeling it's going to be that movie. And so I was like waiting for the shoe to drop and I was like, damn, really? Even Bo Burnham can't get through this. His name is Ryan in the movie. I was like, Ryan, really? Did you really? So they played the video. And the minute I heard his voice, I was like, it's that fucking movie. Damn it. I was so like, oh, and I was rooting for them. I really was. But that conversation that they had in his office, I'm sorry. There are going to be people who are going to be really pissed off 
that the director chose to write Ryan as the person who didn't change her and who didn't get a pass or maybe wasn't forgiven because the movie just pictured them to be so perfect. It's like, why can't you let this go? But he wasn't sorry. That was the biggest thing that stood out to me was that he wasn't sorry. He was afraid that he was going to be outed and look bad. He wasn't. And this is one thing I've thought about too, but I realized that that's once again, and I'm as a woman, we do this. We do this as women. We, we are fixers in our minds because I'll tell you the thought that this is how pathetic I think sometimes I'm like, well, if she had just, she had a lot of opportunities to open up to him along the way about what had been going on. Like I didn't understand why she just, when they started really getting intimate why she didn't say to him listen this is what happened that night with sam richardson Mm -hmm. this is what i've been doing i've been doing this thing because this is what happened and and what happened to nina was wrong and and you know al and are you like you say you're friends with al and like really getting into it that way but then i thought to myself you know what fuck that it's not her job to try to explain herself to him so he understands why rape is bad Right. Like he should have known rape is bad. So I don't really care if they didn't have the pre-conversation. And that was what I that's why I I knew that this movie could had to end had to end in a in a bad way for everyone involved. Or there was one glimmer of hope I had, Rob, that somehow she would be in a situation and he would actually turn against them like he would he would not have been there and he would refute them as his friends in some way. Like, right. Like there could have been that arc, but I think the, 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 there had to be a final resolution to this that, you know, and I think they actually pulled it off very, very well. In my opinion, we have to talk about Endgame here because they're the last, uh, the last about 15, 20 minutes took a turn. And I have to tell you, I was surprised by how violent it got. And I was very upset by it. Well, one thing that I will say before we get into that, because, yeah, Yeah. I definitely want to talk about how it ended. There are people who will see that so much time has passed, right? And that Ryan has a successful job. We clearly see him. He's he's a good guy. We liked him. You know, it's not like we were duped. I don't think him being a nice guy is even a persona. I think he literally is the person that we see. But with the knowledge that we are given... people are going to say, well, he changed. And I'm like, did he actually change? And first of all, who is the authority on him changing? Because here's the thing. Did he turn in his friends? Did he dismiss them? Yeah, he probably doesn't keep in touch with them as much, but he agreed to go to the wedding. You know, like, he is his own justification. He is the one that says who he changed. You know, because immediately when she didn't agree to still date him, what did he do? Called her a bitch. He you know, sure like, did. yeah, he, he, sure he did. couldn't, he didn't wait. That switch turned on so quick. And he just became this asshole, like, how dare you threaten my job? I worked hard on this. Like, everything was about him. It was he, all about him. And he didn't even ask. He did it. Th- he was all about him. And, and to that same point, what was crazy. So, yes, he calls her a bitch. He turns on yeah. her. You notice that's a common thread. The men, the minute they don't get what they want. Yeah. The, woman, the woman that they just five seconds ago said 
They, uh, you're beautiful. I love you. You're the love of my life is now a bitch because she didn't do what you wanted. The other thing about it though, is that I found it so heinous that he didn't care more about like, Oh my God, what happened to Nina? Oh my God, you're right. Like there was no, no one ever cares about this person. And that's why I thought that everything Cassie did was so important. Um, there was there was some level of pleasure in me watching this and her taking down people. It was yeah. sort of like a movie for women for, or I shouldn't say it's for women. Cause I, I don't, I'm not saying all women will like it, but it felt to me like, you know, there's a lot of, of, of content out there that's probably more geared towards uh, different kinds of revenge stories. And there was just something about this where it's like, yeah, wouldn't it be great to just go back to some of these awful people that I've known who have allowed this been permissive of this behavior and just be like, and just kind of shame the shit out of them for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, and this is a general rule with any situation. It's not something as deep as this, but it's just like he had a, a chance to really display that he has changed over the years. He asked, she asked for the address to the bachelor party. He didn't give it up until he was threatened. And he didn't do it in his own volition. Like he literally just waited until he had a no point of no return. And it's just like, you've been tested and as many times as you said you've changed, you haven't. I'm sorry. You're still. My, yeah. And my hope was, you know what my, that's now you've reminded me what my hope was. Cause we were talking about like how this would end. My hope was when she asked for it, that he would go with her. And I also had hoped when she was at the cabin that he might have shown up. When yeah, the stuff no, on the, really when the clock was starting to run out, I was hoping he might. I thought that there might have been space for him to have a redemption arc, but guess what? It's not his story, and he doesn't get a redemption arc. It's her story, no. and that's when I realized that even even myself, we're wired. We're wired to root for. Like I'm worried about Bo Burnham. I'm worried about Ryan. Like I'm weirdly worried for this guy, and I'm like, why do we do that as women? Like it's not his redemption arc. He doesn't get to have one. Get out of here, bud. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we we get to the cabin. They're playing my toxic like no other. God, I love this rendition. It's also something that's been played in the trailer. You know shit's about to go down. What is she going to do? They kept us from violence throughout this whole movie. Now we get to the bachelor party. And again, a very structured, planned out execution. And this is what I really enjoyed about this movie is that this literal switch even in the beginning when she hears his name for the first time after so many years, and then finding out that he is not living like crap for what he did. He got married. He has a job. He still has money. And like everything is working out for him. And he was in the same room as Nina. And yet he came out fine. She didn't. What did you think of this plan? Do you think that she went against her her moral sort of justification, her plan? Do you think this is like, what do you think of, about her plan in this? The punishment was fitting the crime along the way. If you were kind of watching, it, it, I, I, I joke sometimes in horror movies, I, I think there's Saw and some other ones where you're like, wait, why did that person get that horrible punishment? They weren't that bad. <laughs> and so for me, I felt like the punishment, she, she kind of, it went up an escalation path. So, you know, it started with, think think about, it almost took you, it took, it didn't almost, it, it took you sort of on, on Nina's journey on tr how they tried to 
get justice for her. She went to her friend and her friend didn't help her. So Madison got some payback, but it wasn't life ending payback. It wasn't, it was a, it was a little bit of a taste of your own medicine moment. And then Connie Britton, she obviously didn't take action when she should have. And I thought that that, and I forgot to mention this at that time, but this is an important call out in that Connie Britton piece, by the way, because I do agree that you can't just accept every single accusation without any sort, any, any baseless accusation. And there most certainly are cases where men are, are wrongly accused and that can be very damaging, even if they never are convicted, because just the accusation alone is very damaging. Obviously we saw some of that happen in the Me Too movement, but Cassie makes a point to say what she says she bruises all over her body. There was physical evidence. So that to me was, you know, but she kind of punishes there and it, and then the lawyer is real evil, right? So yeah. he, he gets cute teed up to get a, a, a beat down and she calls that off. And then it's the actual perpetrator, the actual guy that did it. That's where he, I thought I felt like, yeah, she's going to do something more physical here. She's not going to kill him, but she's going to make a, a point. Yeah. Um, can we talk about one thing, though? They, they do this very long slow motion scene set to very clubby music where she's giving them shots. And it's like lips licking, shirts opening, sweat glistening. There's um, dolls that they're putting their fingers into inappropriately. And there was part of me that thought that this was an interesting moment because I thought that that was also a societal comment, which is why do you think these men are wired the way that they're wired when culturally this is a rite of passage that women actually participate in because there's strippers that do this. And this is, a, this is like a actual tradition that we promote in our, in our society to have a last hurrah that includes women scantily clad and sex, 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 sex. I thought that that was interesting because in some ways it's like, well, what do you, what do we expect when this is sort of what we've said is the norm? And I, I really, really watched that. I watched that scene a couple of times. Actually, I rewound it just because I thought I'm like, look at this, look at the, the it's not just, Oh, these guys are bad because they're born bad. <laughs> right. It's just, I mean, they're, it's how we engage. I mean, you and I are friends. We go to clubs. We've seen, we've seen it all when we've been out on the town um, and that's, it's encouraged. It's encouraged to get shit faced drunk. It's encouraged, you know, it, their behavior, all, all of it. Well, we get a sort of a plot twist in this film and we find out that our lead actress, Cassie, Carrie Mulligan's character, the tables have turned, you know, she, again, has been very flawless in all of her planning up until this moment where Al gets loose, gets the upper hand, and we slowly watch him take her life away by suffocating her with a pillow. Now, this is a very big turning point for audiences. You are either going to hate this movie so much by what they've done, or you are going to sort of let it sink in and just think about why this movie decided to go a different route than what most people are used to. So 
Susie, one question I have for you. Do you feel that this movie had a responsibility to end on a high note? And what I mean by that is show compassion in a world that, you know, things are not as bad as it seems or it can't get better. Or did the film do exactly what it was supposed to do through the narrative of the main character, Cassie? Like, what do you think the goal of this movie was? And did they stick to that goal? Because we did sort of look at her as sort of a hero taking down all of these assailants one by one. She didn't get to accomplish her goal. So it's like, why did we watch this movie for her to just die at the end? Does, it, does that make sense? Is, is there, should we be providing some sort of solution or a redemption to, to a story, to a plot line that we're already familiar with. We've seen this plot before, a revenge story. So what new thing did we get out of this? I think the takeaway for me, it literally took this guy to murder somebody for the police to care. And I actually sort of think that that's the weird, not weird, but that's that's kind of why it ended on that sour note it's a it's a it's not i I don't want to say it's a cautionary tale but i feel like it tells the story of how she goes to all these lengths to try to get nina justice and what you find at the end is it literally takes her being murdered to get the police to care about what this guy al has done or is capable of of doing and I thought that that somber note was important for, for us to, 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 to start saying, and I think we're already moving, you know, we see movement from me too in this direction, which is that we need to listen to people when they say this and we need to investigate these things. And yeah, I mean, I think she, she knew that she wasn't going to come out of this with a happily ever after. I mean, performing a violent act like that, she at some point would have gotten in trouble for it in some shape or form. And so she knew going in how this was going to end. And I, she just needed to do it for her own, you know, state of mind. I do want to read one little thing. Um, Entertainment Weekly interviewed the director, and this is what she had to say about this ending. It's how the system works. The house always wins. For me... It would be an enormous injustice to be so honest the whole way through this movie and then have a Hollywood ending that also let us all off the hook. What do you think about that? I think that's exactly, I think, and I think you and I have kind of gotten to that point almost yeah. in our conversation too, because you're, she's exactly, because yeah. like we, I think we would be having a different review and a different conversation if Bo Burnham white knighted. Um, and in, they came to the, that's, this was my thing was when she was being suffocated, which was incredibly difficult to watch. I kept waiting for her to play, play dead. I had a couple thoughts, play dead. And then he stops and then she attacks him or that this is a moment where, um, Bo Burnham like actually had shown up and he walks up because he's found everybody passed out and goes up there. But then I thought, nope, I don't believe this director and writer, you know, I don't believe that they would do this because then it's a white knight story of like, he comes in, saves the day. And that's just antithetical to this entire plot. So I, I, I then started to realize she's going to die. And I started to mourn her like in, cause it's such a long scene. Literally my brain went through that whole phase of, 
Is she going to play dead and get him at the end like a jump scare at a horror movie? Think about this. This is kind of interesting. Think about this. You know how we're talking about the different genres? Oh, my God. It's like the genre of the horror movie would be that she would have jumped up from under the pillow. And the genre of the rom-com would have been that he would have come and saved the day so they could get back together. And guess what? Nope, it's none of those things. It's none of those wins. I love that, it. Yeah, no, this is what I was getting at. So I was on the the play dead card, right? I was like, she's she's strong, she's structured, she has everything thought out. I know she has a way out of this. She's playing dead, right? When she died, yes, it sucked. Did I did I think this movie was bullshit for killing her no i don't think so the movie did end on a little bit of a higher note because the men did pay for their crimes right but we'll get to that the genre thing is what i really wanted to sort of touch on because think of movies like kill bill that was an entire revenge story yes it was gory fun made you know to be mostly an over-the-top comedy Right. But do we really justify this woman killing all of those people for her own justification? And also the Bo Burnham character of Kill Bill was Vivica A. Fox, who reformed. Technically, she she hung up her assassin card. She had a child. She took care of that child. Did she deserve to die? You know, Uma Thurman, she literally was like, I don't give a fuck. You killed my baby. Technically. And. I'm going to kill everyone involved. And that's the thing. In Kill Bill, we want them all to get chopped up to bits. I'm okay with the genre choice that they've done. And I'm okay with the the level of realism that they chose to do as well. Do you think that Ryan should have been spared? Well, so I think it's a little ambiguous whether Ryan's really going to get into much trouble. I mean, he's not, right? Because... I think he might get in trouble for a couple things. I think he will, it will be damaging to him. I don't think he did anything. Listen, the, they, Al hired a lawyer. They're, they're not going to reopen Nina's case, even with video because Nina's also deceased. Right. And he was also a bystander and I, it, and we never see if it's just his voice or if we actually see him on camera either. I thought that Ryan got kind of the right amount of, sort of rut row and he was almost becoming like our eyes at the end to see how this was going to play out for Al and Schmidt. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was, I was satisfied. I absolutely adored the angel. Um, just call me angel of the morning playing over that. It was just a perfectly executed scene. Really where, was. And it took you out of this very violent scene of her being, you know, murdered and then obviously there it's a, there's a little bit of funniness to Schmidt and Al. I specifically laughed with the way they sobbed and comforted each other like yeah. oh poor baby Al and there's literally a dead woman's body on the bed. <laughs> These fools. Yeah. It was crazy. So I'm going to rephrase the same question. Do you feel that Ryan should have been spared? From a writer's perspective. From a writer's sorry, I thought you meant like spirit. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I was asking both. I was asking both, okay. but now I'm just asking the other side. Should he have been spared and made into a good man? Or are you okay with the fact that he ended up the way that he was? Because we're not watching a documentary. He easily could have been written, as you said, the white knight or the or the guy that's different from the rest. Should he have been spared? No, because I actually don't 
think that that would be in line with the tone or message of, of the film because it's not his story. And we really, as viewers, should not care about him because he's sort of wasted his opportunity to be seen as... Uh... I had to I had to really like tell my brain that, though, because I just like him so much. And I was like, oh, Ryan, he no, drank I... your spit coffee. He should totally be a redemption thing. But I was like, no. He shouldn't, and this is the this is the common thing that causes these problems. Is that we do tend to be like let people off in these situations, and he was he was responsible, and so he should feel uncomfortable about this. He should feel discomfort at the I, end I, about what he did and what he was involved in. I I totally agree, and and I, you know yes, like you said earlier, he's not going to get as in trouble as the other guys. But I I just want to make something quite clear about Ryan is that he was there, he was witness, he didn't say anything, and yeah, he didn't do the physical act. But we've we were all well aware that silence is just as fucked up and deadly and as used as a weapon as well. If you're going to choose not to get involved and stay silent, you might as well have been the one to pull the trigger, so to speak. And I don't think that him just being witnessed, and especially the way that he was talking in this video, I'm sorry, like, and, and that's the thing, I haven't really been able to answer my own question, is if there is a way to redeem people like this to a point of forgiveness or to except the man that they are today. And for the sake of this movie, I don't think Ryan should have been spared at all. And I don't think yeah. that she should have just been like, okay, well, you're okay now. I guess I can be happy and be happy with you. I No, I don't think it was that easy. And I'm glad she made the choice to stand her ground and her principles and not let him slide and think, well, it was a long time ago. You're You're good now, you know? You know, this is going to be the weirdest little end note to our conversation, but I, I, it's really, it's on my mind for a minute here because when I was watching this too, I thought, you know, I've had debauchery in, in my going out time, but I don't recall ever being in a situation like this where there were people watching this. And I was like, you know, is this, does this really happen as, and I know it does, but like who are, and then I thought, you know what? Think about road rules challenges or the, the challenge on MTV and think about how differently um, I'm specifically talking about Evan and the other guy, Kenny, who both yeah. now have been banned from it because they did something exactly like this. Tanya was passed out and they filmed and took pictures of themselves inserting toothbrushes into her vagina and they were banned. But these fools are still you know, the friends that were there, people egg them on there. There is absolutely these situations that occur. You know, do we let these people come back on TV? You know, my thing is like, what are the rules about this? I, I love that they can't, they're they not on the show anymore. Is MTV just waiting for enough time to pass? You know, it's just, or it, but also, you know, on the flip side, you can't punish people forever. Like, I do believe that's why, by the way, we have a justice system. And if we investigated real sexual assault claims rigorously people would go to prison pay their duty back and then they can come out reformed as you know that's supposed to be how this works of course yes. it doesn't because <laughs> our justice system is corrupt and you can pay your way out of it and that's exactly why people like this al character get away with everything because they just pay for the attorney 
I expected a post credit scene of that exact thing. I was like, I bet you, like, wouldn't it just be a kick in the pants if we got a post credit scene of him just paying his way out? He's acquitted. He's acquitted yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? I, I mean, like I said, the house always wins. Well, this movie definitely has way many layers that we can get into. I mean, we haven't even touched on the parents. I'll just say this, Jennifer Coolidge killed it in this role. I've never seen her in this acting sort of genre and 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 versatility in her. She's usually known as a comedic woman in this, and she was so believable in what she was doing. We didn't so, even talk about you know, Laverne. I know, I know, and, and you know, Laverne Cox is in it. Like, again, these, these were wonderful, wonderful actresses in the movie, and they did such a phenomenal job. So I just want to give it up to them. Yeah, I, I had a good time talking about this. And, and again, I hope you guys enjoyed this and hopefully it didn't enrage you or didn't trigger you. Or I, I hope this was entertaining to have a discussion. Hopefully we didn't ramble too much. But I, I love movies like these and I love conversations like these. And this is why I do this show is to have these discussions. Um, so thank you, Susie, for helping me out with this discussion. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me. I, I know that this that we knew this. You and I kind of knew this going into this recording that this was going to tap into bigger issues. And so it's hard not to start to reference other things you're seeing. And I think that's the purpose of this film, though, is to get people talking. You know, that exactly. it's only way that things are going to get better on any of these issues that we're facing in society right now is if people can sit down and have a, a real conversation with each other and talk about these difficult things. You can see that a theme in the film is silence. Silence kills. Silence yeah. doesn't allow you to move past. Secrets. Secrets are dangerous. And I think that that's, you know, that's that's that but thank you so much for having me because this was i just enjoyed this movie so much i i'm going to buy it as soon as it's available and watch it again <laughs> thank you so much for sticking with us on this entire review i told you it was going to be long and jam-packed hopefully you got something out of this and we can't wait to return next month so and thank you all for listening to this episode remember there are no such thing as guilty pleasure films. You fuck those haters and you'd be proud of your taste in movies. This is Movie Geek and Proud.